2: What is up, everyone? Happy Wednesday night. Your Buffalo Bills, fresh off of their bye week, getting back after it this weekend against the Los Angeles Chargers and Justin Herbert, who our guest tonight has some thoughts on later in the show. I am Matt Perino. He is Ryan Tell, but this is the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast, sponsored by Tops Friendly Market, your neighborhood store with more. Definitely head there for the game on Sunday. We're joined tonight by Joe Biscaglia. My man, every time you come on the on the show, I get so excited because I I, I tweeted about it tonight. We we spent a lot of time in practice, just you know, talking shop, going over mm-hmm. everything in our notebooks and what we're seeing, and 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 it's fun to bring that conversation to the podcast. So Joe Biscellia of the Athletic, the the Buffalo Beat, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks, man. I, it's uh, I'm trying to think the last time I was I was on, I was waxing poetic about why they should cut Trent Murphy and. That never happened, even though it probably should have. But hey, <laughs>
2: here we are. I was going to say, uh, I think Brian, both of us were 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 right along that line with with Joe that they probably should have moved on from Trent Murphy. And now we're sitting here, you know, at this point of the season, and maybe AJ Epinesa, uh, you know, a couple splash plays here and there. Maybe if they'd moved on from Trent Murphy, his his role would be bigger at this point.
3: Oh, I absolutely would be bigger at this point. Uh, I think you'd, you'd see more time from Daryl Johnson as well. You'd get some of those younger guys, some reps where, you know, I, I'm sure the thought process was Murphy as the veteran would bring more value, but he, he's been pretty hit and miss this season in terms of that. So they, they maybe did miss a chance to bring along some of that younger talent.
2: This is going to be a fun I, show. Oh, go ahead.
0: I was just going to say, I think the whole Murphy situation, after going back and pondering it, I think there was just this massive trickle-down effect from Star Latule opting out, where Latule opted out, which meant that Quentin Jefferson, who they they had this, likely, this idea for to be this hybrid defensive tackle, defensive end guy. Now that Latule isn't at defensive tackle, that means they have to take Jefferson from the end spot and bring him inside, and by doing so, that opened up a spot in that defensive end rotation that, that they needed and they didn't want to entrust it with Epinesa because Epinesa didn't look the part in the summer. So I think there was just a lot of things that happened for Murphy to, to be there. And um, he's just been the same guy as he has been the last two years. I mean, it's he's just he's just an average defender, not really a great pass rusher, solid run defender. You know what you're getting with him, but eh, that, that money could have been used elsewhere. Uh, I think we know that by now.
2: You know, I want to get into some offensive stuff to start the show, but while we're here, let's get into this because we haven't talked to you since the summer. And one of the big observations I've had, you know, and and I think Ryan as well, is that, you know, the loss of Star Latulale and the lack of replacing that specific role, I think has had a big impact on what the Bills have tried to do this year. What have you seen? I mean, you do the all 22, you watch the film every week. What have you seen for – a how they've tried to replace star and how it's worked or and whether it's worked
0: they've been trying a lot of different things i mean it was at first it was harrison phillips and that really didn't go well and he wound up being a healthy scratch um and i know some people are wondering hey is it is he still getting bugged by the by the acl I mean, if he was getting bugged by that injury, he would be on the injury report at any point. He has not been on the injury report at all this season. So uh, I'm not really buying into that theory. So they tried that, and then they've tried so many different combinations. They've tried Vernon Butler at one technique. They've tried Quentin Jefferson at one technique, which has just been a cataclysmic failure. Uh, They tried Ed Oliver at one technique at times, which is when Ed Oliver kind of disappeared to the eye. It was when they were mixing him in, in inside at one technique more often than not. Um, Justin Zimmer came in, and he's probably been their best one-technique guy so far, even though he's smaller than everybody. They just don't have one of those guys. And, I, you know, just watching other teams and the way that they operate, they don't – the Bills have done this thing where they shift their defensive tackles uh, based on which side is the weak side. And if, if there's a motion that goes over to to – Cause the other side to be the weak side, then they flip their defensive tackles in their roles. So if it's Ed Oliver and Vernon Butler out there, Butler could have been the one technique to start, and then they just like they they rotate them to have Oliver at one tech and and Butler at three tech. So all of these different things, it's just totally not what we are used to them doing um, at those spots. It's because they're trying to figure it out. They're trying to figure out something. Because they're just getting pushed off the ball against the run and um, they just don't have that one technique to to really hold those two blockers up and and give the linebackers a lane. I think there's a, a positive correlation here toward them not having that position and Tremaine Edmonds downturn in play this season. Uh, so it's just been a, a pretty big problem for them and they just don't have an answer on this roster.
2: This is the Shout Bills Podcast on a Wednesday night. Welcome into the show. We have Joe Biscaglia. If you're just joining us, we got it shared out on all the Facebook groups. So we usually get a little trickle in here about five, 10 minutes into the show. And as if you noticed, got a new set. I know that all of our uh, all of our listeners have followed along as I've uh, you know complained about our, our basement remodel. Well, the remodel's done. I have my nice. own cove here. Um, it's it's very comfy, but I will say One of the tricks is we have to turn the heat off before the show. Otherwise you're going to hear the heat in the background. It's going pretty loud right now. So I forgot to turn it off. So for this episode, you're just going to have to deal with that. I'll make sure I'll remember it in the the future, but yeah, I I like it. I got, I got a little bit of everything going on back here.
0: Yeah. What time is it?
2: Well, that's a great question. That's a great question. So I haven't quite figured out um, why the clock won't work. It'll light up, but it won't actually work. So Joe, the the great person that he is came up with a great idea. It's going to be a different time every episode, and that's just going to be <laughs> the way that it is. Speaking of time, I'm wondering what time it's going to be this weekend on this Bill's offensive line and what we see after, you know, it's just a little bit of a confusing past couple weeks. You know, you have the Mitch Morse injury. He suffers the concussion, leaves the Patriots game, uh, he's in the protocol. He misses uh, this the Seahawks game. John Feliciano comes in. Bills have quite the offensive showing, 44 points. And then the next week, Sean McDermott wants to keep that rotation in the game. Mitch Morse a healthy scratch after he gets back from the concussion. And it's been just a lot of um, commotion amongst Bills social media the last week and a half. Just what's going on with Mitch Morse? Is he going to play? And and Sean McDermott this week continue to kind of leave it up in the air. He said he'll be in the mix this week to play. Uh, we'll see how it transpires. But before we get too deep into this, what has been your observations of just this entire turn of events?
0: Go ahead, Ryan. All you. Oh Yeah, sure.
3: Uh, it's confusing to me because in my mind, Mitch Morse was playing very well this season. I thought that uh, once he cleared the concussion protocol, it didn't make any sense to keep him out an extra week. Once you've cleared that protocol, unless I'm mistaken, you're you're viewed as being 100%. There's, there's not a take an extra week off and get better. It's not like a, a leg injury or something like that where it's, hey, you know if we give him that extra week and he comes back after the bye as well, then he's really going to be healthy. That That's not how it works, at least, like I said, unless I'm mistaken. Uh, so I was a little surprised to see the healthy scratch. I get that you wanted to see what you had out there because of the success that they had in the Seattle game. Uh, Ike Butkers actually was playing some pretty decent football. Uh, Obviously they love Feliciano and that versatility that he brings and and the fact that he could step it right in at center. Uh, But at the same time, this is the guy that you made the highest paid center in the league. This was someone that's come in this year up until that concussion had been healthy and had been playing well. So I I was a little bit confused uh, by the mysteries surrounding it by the not being a healthy scratch, but not being at, uh, not being on the field in that Cardinals game.
0: Yeah, I think um, it's definitely a convoluted conversation um, when you look at when this whole string of um, momentum that McDermott alluded to uh, when it began was in that Patriots game right as Mitch Morse got hurt and they wound up just blocking their butts off in the running game. That was their most successful running game by far the season. It was the focal point of their offense, and Ike Butker had a great game in that one. There, There's no doubt there. And then they had Brian Winters play probably his best game of the season, which is probably more of an average level. Feliciano looked good at center. Um, and so they, they looked at that and probably thought to themselves, okay, well, they won at Seattle, so why not just keep the same group going rather than, then switch parts. I get that. But the one thing that they kind of didn't think about is that New England has one of the worst run defenses in the league, if not the worst run defense of the league. And so when you try to inflate your opinion based on recency bias more than anything, then that's it's kind of tough to do. Um, I do wonder if maybe they wanted to give Mitch Morse a week just because it's the fifth documented concussion. They have the bye week the week after I mean, I know he wasn't on the injury report, but you know, I, I think if it's me, I and I'm in that decision making spot, I'm thinking to myself, I, I should maybe I want to do this. What what's what's best for the guy here, and just give him an extra couple of weeks. Um, but I think the more interesting conversation about this whole thing, because I am of the belief that they'll inevitably go back to their optimal five, which is Dawkins um you know in in some fashion Dawkins, Williams, Morse, Ford and Feliciano I think that will inevitably happen at some point. Um but the more interesting conversation is what happens after the year because the for the first time since they've signed Mitch Morse to his contract they have an out this season where the dead money is not overtaking the uh the cap hit of the year so they could save a little over 5 million. I want to say 5.4 million if they were to move on from him. Now, we all know that they love John Feliciano. Brian Dable said it this past week. Like, um, I believe the term he used was Feliciano embodies what they look for in offensive linemen. And that's some strong language to talk about one of the players who, you know, is on a pretty mediocre contract and that's still without a contract moving forward. So I wonder if maybe they move on from Morse in the offseason, save that money, put that money towards John Feliciano, make him the center going forward. And and so that way, because they value the center position in their offense way more than guard for them to go, all right, well, this is a, this is a way for us to justify that price tag and to keep him with us for the long term because we believe in him. So I wonder if maybe that's a thought process of theirs
3: which that makes absolute sense. Could, could they also maybe think about getting, uh, getting rid of that contract to even put some of that money, maybe toward Matt Milano, if they want to come to like a one year uh, agreement there, because, you know, I think that Milano, we, we've we seen the value that he brings to this defense when he has not been on the field, but at the same time, if he tries to hit the market, that money might not be there because he's missed some time this year. And again, uh, Matt and I have had the discussion. It's, it's not fair to necessarily call him injury prone, but he's been banged right. up this year. So, uh, yeah. Could that also be where they could use some of that money?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, any money they can save, um, which they didn't give themselves the option of this year, <coughs> Trent Murphy, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to keep hammering it, uh, the, any money they can save will will help them in the long run. The, I mean, the other big decisions, and I'm sure you guys have touched on this before, John Brown's a big one because he, he could save them $8 million, and they have Gabriel Davis, who's looked like what could be a baseline complementary receiver uh next year if he continues to develop and there's some other ones like Lee Smith is a flat 2.25 I think um Quentin Jefferson could be around the 5 million mark same thing with Vernon Butler there's a few others I'm forgetting right now but um but there there are opportunities here and Morse is one that I hadn't really thought about up until recently and it does make sense because if if they they love Feliciano. I mean, we all know it. We all hear what they say about him. It's it's like they just absolutely love the guy. They view him as a leader in the locker room, and I don't know that they want to lose him. And that, to me, opens the door to them potentially saying goodbye to Morse just because of the money they could save and and how they could utilize it. So, so yeah, absolutely. That could be um, pushed to Milano and and definitely be able to help them uh, help the leadership of their team and keep the the important parts to them of their team intact.
2: I, um, Mitch is such an interesting figure to me in that room because so much was talked about that off season when we had chances to catch up with Brandon Bean about the importance of, uh, before they signed Morris, the importance of finding that franchise center to pair with a young quarterback. And, you know, it, through those conversations the what i left with was an idea in my mind of what that center was going to be like and when mitch came in the early impressions that i got were man this guy you know spent time with patrick mahomes he he was saying all the right things about you know the impact that he had on josh allen and then i take my interactions with him in the room and first things first mitch is a very very smart guy and he's mm-hmm. like a very personable guy but he doesn't strike me as that vocal leader now I'm not in the room I can't speak to it I I've I've talked to a few people over the course of the last 2 years he's been here year and a half and the the impressions of him in the room are very high I mean we, I asked Josh Allen about it today and I said you know what has Mitch meant to you what impact has he had on you and he said off the field he's he leads by example he he's always in the film room he's the first one after practice to be in the film room um, making sure to you know fix all the problems that they that they've kind of uh, tabbed during practice or in meetings and so i guess long story short what what do you think his role is on this offense what he's meant to josh allen and is it something to your point that maybe they see long term not only the the closeness that josh and john have off the field but the chemistry they seem to have on the field that might be a better option
0: yeah I think I think Feliciano has actually played really well at center too which which confuses things um uh, I think the the reason why we'll likely see Feliciano move back to guard at some point maybe even this week um is because Morse is a center only and uh he hasn't really done he played tackle in college but since he's gotten in the pros he's been a center. And you know it, that's what he's paid to do, and that's probably what he'll continue to do but but yeah, I think there is something to that. Um, I think there's also part of the conversation with okay, this uh, the concussion thing has to factor in. He now has five documented, which means there's a good chance that he's had more than five in his uh, in his playing career, and that's scary. It's very scary for the from a human standpoint. Um, It's scary from, you know, the standpoint of uh, investing as much as they have in Mitch Morse. And it it makes you wonder what the future is here. I mean, the immediate future is he's a part of this team for the next six games and the playoffs. And, and he's going to play what I think should be a vital role. He should be starting because he has earned the right to start. He has been one of their best five linemen. In fact, he's one of been, been one of their best three linemen. Um, so, to me, he should be on the field. But past that, to your point, what you're saying, the 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 leadership stuff, the way that um, the the bond between Allen and Feliciano, like th- those those things can't be ignored, and you can't afford to pay everyone along your offensive line. They paid Dawkins a huge amount, and he's not going anywhere. Uh, they paid Morse. They want to keep Feliciano around, but the way that you build your team smartly is to is to invest in your left tackle, invest in your center, and then fill in the rest with what you can do with young players on rookie contracts and some veterans that can get you by, um, especially at the guard position. So maybe you know, out goes Morse, in comes Feliciano into that money role for them, and then they go from there.
3: You know, uh, let's talk a little bit about the run game. Uh, we we haven't seen a lot out of it, other than that Patriots game, See which that you base had... that he just
2: made. See that? Like, <laughs> I did. We were going one way. We do this thing in the chat, and then I, right as he was about to talk, right I, as I was like, starting, go a different <laughs> direction. So yep. he was just kind of like, ah! okay, go. Pause. <laughs> and stop.
3: Uh, let's go to the run game. But other than the Patriots game, they, they've really had trouble getting things going on a consistent basis. There's flashes from. Uh, some flashes from Singletary, but nothing consistent. Uh, How much of the offensive line play has to do with that? And then maybe underutilization. (laughs) In your opinion, why hasn't this unit been able to go?
0: Oh, man. It's a a tough answer to that. Um, I think a little bit of it has been the blocking up front. I think there is – the the types of plays that they're calling it certainly has helped them um, not be as simple as maybe they ought to be. Um, what has confused me most about the usage of Zach Moss is they haven't really used him between the tackles as much as they thought they would, um, and that's a strong area for him. And maybe they're they're just not getting the the push they want up front or something along those lines. They were doing more of it against New England. Don't get me wrong, but a lot of times they are trying to get the running back to the edge and you'll see a lot of times where the entire offensive line are moving in one direction um whether it be right or left and then potentially trying to get the running back outside and and into the edge and, and into some open space which is good for a guy like singletary and moss can do it too but i just feel like you you might be missing a little bit of opportunity with moss to really just just be physical be that explode that explosive player when it when he sees the hole and and just and just go for it. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think it's been a little bit of play calling. It's a little bit of been a blocking up front. Um, I don't think Brian Winters has been that good this season. I think that's been a that's been a weak spot. Uh, uh, Daryl Williams really hasn't been a, a a strong enough run blocker for my taste. Really good pass blocker this season, but. Um, you, there's a reason why the Bills are trying to run to the left way more than they are to the right side. Uh, and, and from there, it's trying to figure out what their identity is as a, as a run team. And I would not be surprised if this week we see the Bills come out running. Because this Chargers team, I know they're banged up and Casey Hayward didn't practice today but I would not be surprised because you can run on them, particularly right up the middle. And I would not be surprised if, if they try to make that a point of emphasis in this game coming up.
2: Interesting. There's a question in the chat, and, it, and I think it's a good one because you mentioned Daryl <coughs> Williams and, and you know, really the, the nice story that he's been this year for that offensive line. And it's allowed them to move uh, Cody Ford inside, which is something we talked about a lot over the last year and maybe more of his natural fit. But what is the long-term future of uh, of Daryl Williams in Buffalo? Because, to your point, they they have a lot of mouths to feed, and he he's playing himself in probably a nice, healthy contract.
0: Yeah, he he definitely is. But if you're the Bills, just from a roster-building standpoint, and the fact that they're so cap-strapped this year, I mean, even if it was in a norm, a normal year, I don't know that they should make the emotionally based decision to re-sign Daryl Williams just because they knew him from Carolina and he's, he's given you one good year. You know, it is a nice story and, and he, he definitely has made a huge comeback from what he was last year. I was not expecting this him from him at all, based on what I saw on the Carolina film. But Mm. I think the, the big point about this is they already have 15 million of their salary cap invested into the offensive tackle position next year. and you need to diversify where you are spending your cap resources and you can't overspend on one spot because then that's going to leave you shorthanded in another. So what the course of action that I personally would take in this situation, and it's definitely influenced by by the cap strap nature of 2021, is I would let Daryl Williams walk and I would try to get because they're probably not going to be in a position to sign free agents this offseason. And I would look at him as one of the marquee ways to get a solid compensatory pick in 2022. They're going to be right in the formula this year. I, I know I asked Bean about it all the time. Um, and that's cool, because that's kind of my shtick. And I've been wondering about it, because he, it, because it's it's something that he has mentioned before. But this is really the first year where they have a legitimate case to be in that comp formula. And I think Williams is a strong, strong uh, um, candidate to land somewhere on maybe not a super long-term deal, but if he gets eight, nine million to be a starting right tackle somewhere, that's going to go really well into the comp formula. So I uh, I think that will definitely help them moving forward.
2: Let's move um, to the skill position and John Brown uh, doesn't practice for the second straight day-to-day, um, uh, second straight practice. And this is something that, you know, you've been talking about for a few weeks now, uh, you know, concern over this injury because, yeah. you know, he was so good early in the season and this offense was so good early in the season. You start to think about if there are real long-term effects here where this – you know, obviously is not going away. It's something that it seems like he's hurting himself in every game at some point. Um, what do they do if he's not right? And can they be the same offense we saw in September, in January without a healthy John Brown?
0: I think they can. Um, I, I know there's you're going to be missing something just because you're missing all that experience and nuanced route running and everything like that. Um, the concerning part, to me with Brown is that over the last few weeks that he has been available to them, his average depth of target has just dropped like a ton of bricks. Um, his yardage was inflated by those two screens, and you can't take that away from him by any chance. But, I mean, that those are 33 and 31-yard plays at, where, off a throw that, Ha- got to him what one to two yards past the line of scrimmage, maybe right at the line of scrimmage. Um, the majority of his uh, the majority of his targets are right around the seven to ten yard mark, and that's not terrible. But when you are having difficulty separating, like he has been in the last couple of games, and and you aren't able to really get yards after the catch, like he hasn't been able to do recently uh, outside of those screenplays, you're. you're getting kind of a a limited guy and out when you take away those screenplays from the, from the last two games, his average catch, um, average yardage for a catch has been around like 8.2, which is one of the the worst marks in the league for wide receivers. So I don't know. I, I think, I think the injury has a big part to do with it. Um, he is also turning 31 in April, and this is a player that has uh, that has certainly depended on his speed and his route running and his quickness and his and the ability to use his quick feet to get back to the ball. Um, and he still uses that to a certain degree. I just don't know if he's going to age really well um, in the NFL, if that makes sense. Because the speed is a huge part to him and why he's so successful and why teams defend him the way that they do. But if that part's not there, if he's not separating like he has been the last couple of weeks, then that takes away a big part of, away from your offense. So uh, I think they can be competitive without without him. And I really want to see how Gabriel Davis steps up, especially if uh, if Brown doesn't play this week. I think this is a great opportunity against the Chargers secondary that is just Absolutely rattled by injuries. I mean, Derwin James isn't playing, and he's awesome. Uh, Casey Hayward didn't practice today, and he's their best cover guy. Um, They're rolling out some guy named Davis and Campbell out there. Campbell actually had a pick six on Joe Flacco, but, like, these are legit opportunities. Joe Flacco, man. (laughs) Joe Flacco almost engineered the comeback in that game. I got some Jets takes if you want them. (laughs)
2: Ooh, I I would love some Jets takes. But before we do, Ryan has a follow-up, but we got to go to a quick word from our sponsor. Ready for football? Tops is with ready-to-serve
0: fan favorites. Everyone will cheer for. Delicious family or party packs like pizza, sliders, fried
2: chicken, barbecue, or beef on whack. Starting at only $4 per serving. Perfect for game day and
1: any day. Only at Tops.
3: Yeah, you know, Joe, you mentioned those screen passes, and it looked like... The one, when he would have been healthy, he would have been able to take that to the house for a touchdown, but he was was caught from behind. So going back to Gabriel Davis, let's just say that Brown misses this week and maybe another week after that because it's a little concerning after the bye that he's still not practicing. Mm -hmm. If Davis steps up in that short term, With the bills again cap strapped for in 2021, does that maybe then plant the seed that he's another guy that they may have to part ways with and give Davis that bigger role while maybe finding another piece, or maybe it's an Isaiah Hodgins in 2021 to kind of fill in in that Gabriel Davis role?
0: Yeah, they've been they've been kind of grooming Gabriel Davis to play that ex receiver role, um, basically all year. I know he's kind of gone a little bit everywhere. Sometimes he plays Z sometimes he plays slot, not really play slot a lot, but, um, mostly X and Z. But when John Brown is healthy, Gabriel Davis is usually back hit, backing up him in the receiver line at the X receiver spot. So, uh, it's, they, they definitely have that vision for him and that's, and they think they could probably get Gabriel Davis to be a, a solid number two receiver, but he also has to show it. Now, one thing that's definitely working in Gabriel Davis's favor is that the bills can save $8.15 million on next year's cap by, by cutting John Brown, which yeah, I don't, I'm not, I'm no mathematician, but uh, when you combine that with the four or $5 million that they have at their disposal for next year, right now, that gets you to Matt Milano. Um, so, you know, for, it's it's a tough decision because John Brown means so much to them and he came in and he was basically their number one guy in 2019 and, uh, and definitely looked the part then. But it, in football, you have to be emotionless at times. You really do. And when you spot declining ability, then you have to be quick to act, especially when it has such a stronghold on your cap. And if Brown is... I mean we have to see what he looks like through the rest of the year. Let's say they they get him healthy and if he still has that speed and and he comes back to be that player that he was at the beginning of the season then then this is a different discussion. But if he comes back and it's a lot more of the same, he's not separating like he was last year or even earlier this year, then you wonder, okay, what do you do here? I mean, do you do you just go with the status quo and and have to cut at other places? Because receiver is really one of the only spots where they have a young player that they drafted, that they invested in it, in to come in and start potentially next season. And they don't have that at defensive tackle uh, for Vernon Butler or for Quentin Jefferson, and they certainly don't have that as a blocking tight end. I guess for for at least well, I guess you could say Tommy Sweeney, but that's another issue. Um, but but yeah, this is this is a very clear opportunity to me. To where they need to figure out what Gabriel Davis can do, and I will be fascinated to see how he plays. And I like Gabriel Davis. I like what he's done in an improvisational way. I mean, he is so talented at the way he moves when plays break down and getting to open areas of the field, and and making himself available, especially deep down the field. Um, that's going to be if if he's on the field a lot with Josh Allen. I think we're going to see. Um, that get taken advantage of quite a bit um as a starter moving forward if if that's his role but uh but yeah, I think there's some other things he needs to improve upon the route running separation a little bit uh, I would like to see a better job of, but there he's off to a, a really good start for
2: them. you were quick to um figure out today that isaiah Hodgins and duke williams were not on the practice field when we were out there mm-hmm. um yeah. they weren't on the injury report but to your point um they don't have to be um practice squad injury reserve isaiah Hodgins though them activating him i think you know the thought was probably as the season went on and he remained on an uh, IR maybe a red shirt year leave him off to you know uh, <clears throat> c- kind of focus on what they have going on right here but you know, he they activate him, let him practice for at least three weeks. There's a couple different scenarios that could play out here. Um, they can bring him back, let him practice just to get to three weeks. They could bring him back in case there's an injury or a covet-related issue where he'd have to actually play. Um, mm-hmm. wh- what do you think they they activated him for? And what are your not only your this season um expectations of Hodgins, but where does he fit in after what you saw at camp?
0: Yeah, um, it, it's tough because it, it, he didn't practice a lot. I think mm-hmm. – let me look at my, my my practice spreadsheet. I think he might have had like five practices total, if I'm
2: not mistaken. We'll, we'll give you up uh, to five minutes because I know how many spreadsheets you got. Sitting <laughs> in front <of> you there. <laughs> let me see here. Uh,
0: no, he he, he, he uh, was all the way through September 3rd. Okay, and then they threw him on IR. He practiced. Anyway, I was wrong. My bad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, so yeah, he, he had like, I don't know, 11 practices. So that's, that's pretty good, but that's not enough to know exactly what he can be. I think for now, because they haven't seen him, I think it's, this is a clear opportunity for them to see what they have in him, even if it's in just in a practice setting. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think there are any immediate, um, I guess, plans to put him on the active roster. I mean, where's he, where's he going to go? They're not going to put seven receivers on the roster Uh, That would just kind of be overkill, especially with all the other needs they have elsewhere, you know, whether it be a a fifth linebacker or a sixth cornerback that that they could have on there, or, you know, maybe, maybe another running back or something. I don't know. Just, it it just seems a little, like a little much, Mm -hmm. and they don't have to bring him on because he's not going to play special teams for them. He's not going to be on the field as a receiver, Um, but. It does give them the option in case there is an injury for them to activate him, especially down the stretch of the season here. So my guess is if everything stays the way it is from an injury perspective, that they'll probably just let him practice and then return him to the long-term IR. But, you know, they at least want to see. And I don't blame them. I mean, this is, it's been three months since they've seen him practice. So I, I, I don't think it, it hurts anything for them to see what they have in Hodgins, at least for this window and for him to try and prove to them that he needs to be on the active roster down the stretch of the season.
2: Speaking of training camp and thinking back to that one player that I think we even talked about this, that seemed a little bit out of his depths, at least for what we were able to, to watch was Dane Jackson. I was like, I watched him in training camp and I was like, all right, this this is a seventh round draft pick that has not had any spring mini camp, anything else, you know, he's going to, this might be a red shirt year for him. And then what does he do? He comes in two games uh, and, and plays really, really well uh, and, and, and well-rounded too. Like it's not just one area. Obviously he has the turnovers, but I think, you know, he's been a pretty good tackler. He's been somebody that, you know, stepped up and made it, had that big uh, PBU against Deandre Hopkins in the Arizona game. And so now you're you're left with a situation of two cornerbacks ahead of him on the depth chart Levi Wallace and Josh Norman. And maybe if you're the Bills, when you see Dane Jackson come in and play the way that he did, you know, maybe two options that you know you wouldn't be too upset about if you if you found a young player that could come in and maybe elevate that that position. Where do you land on that and, and what you've seen from Levi Wallace, Josh Norman? And you know, should Dane Jackson be considered to be the starter at that spot?
0: Yeah, I, I think he definitely should be considered. I don't think he will be right away. Um, I, <clears throat> you know, you pointed out when we were chatting on the sidelines about how strong Leslie Frazier kind of came in support of Levi Wallace, and uh, I don't think that's that's just talking points for for Leslie. He's usually not the one to, I guess, bend the truth uh, to, when he's speaking with the media. He's usually pretty upfront uh, with his <clears throat> either his adulation or. You know, saying that a guy needs to be a better. Um, But to your point, I really like what Dane Jackson has done, and I know the the flashier play was probably against Tennessee because he picked off the pass, but his best game was Arizona, and and I don't think it's close. Um, he he was sticky against DeAndre Hopkins and broke up that pass in the end zone. I'm like, okay, rookie. <laughs> I see. I mean, it's six round pick. That's a tough responsibility, man to man against Hopkins in the end zone. And we saw what Hopkins could do in the end zone. Um, that that's a That's a big play by him. But you do want to see it drawn out consistently. And the one thing that they know about Levi is that he is capable, fully capable of putting together performances like that. They know he knows the defense like the back of his hand. They know they can trust him in those spots. Um, they probably think of him as more of a practiced hand, more consistent. And because of that, I think they would favor him in those situations. I don't think we've seen the last of Josh Norman. And I also think that uh, Josh Norman, um, I don't know if it's fair to judge what his season has been just yet, because he's only played in three games. His first game, I know we talked about this earlier too. His first game was against Vegas, and he was really good in that game. And then his next two games, Kansas City, Tennessee. Yeah, it's so good. Um, but, but that's only three games. It's a very small sample size in an NFL season. And I, I would like to see, or I'm sure they would like to see if if they can get more out of him because they know what he has been in this scheme for. So I wonder if maybe they platoon Wallace and, and Norman. They've done that before at the cornerback position. We've seen it time and time again with with this staff. Um, I, I wonder if maybe that, could be something they do just to bring Norman back along slowly um, now that he is finally back from injury slash COVID slash whatever else.
3: Well, this is a perfect transition with the secondary talk. The Bills are going against a high-powered offense, Justin Herbert, this week. uh, Impressive rookie quarterback. How do you feel the, the Bills match up against that offense?
0: I love Justin Herbert. I really do. I mean, it, did I, you I, I, did
2: you always cuz I can't remember us talking no. about
0: this. Well, okay. Well, well look, like in in draft season, I I only watch really closely the positions that that the Bills might need. I mean, that that's how I do it now. It's I used to be really psycho about it uh back when I was younger, but um, Get out of
2: town. You have no psychotic <laughs> tendencies, Joe. None whatsoever. <laughs>
0: um but no, I didn't I didn't watch quarterbacks to a grand degree outside of maybe like senior bowl practices. but this this dude, Herbert is just insanely talented and he is so poised for a rookie cornerback quarterback. I mean the way he gets the ball out as quickly as he does. And it's not just like he's settling for the small stuff. He is like manipulating defenders with his eyes. He is reading the defense to a T um, every single snap. I mean, he is picking apart zone defenses. Right. There was one play that went, went for, I think, 54 yards against the Jets, and he immediately recognized that the Jets were in a Tampa 2, had a had a receiver going down the seam, and saw the, the linebacker in catch-up mode and put this picture-perfect pass right down the middle with the defender bearing down and about to crush him. Picture-perfect pass for 54 yards. It was just, like, easy as a flick of the wrist. Um, Man to man coverage, he's he's still good, and and he takes advantage of it because he has the the legs to scramble when when they try to bracket his his first and second reads. Um, he had this other incredible window throw against against zone coverage. I, this is the one I showed you in, in practice, Matt, mm. um, where he just just tucked it right into this very tiny window to Mike Williams, and. When he threw the ball, Williams was nowhere on screen. And by the time the ball got to where Williams was, it was perfectly in stride. The ball was right here, hit hit the, hit the Williams right in the diamond. The safety was coming up because he thought he had a chance to pick it off. But the pass was perfect. Williams takes it up for a touchdown. Like this rookie is legit. Um, and, you know, that's that's tough to say about young quarterbacks because a lot of times you see the processing part not be not be there for them, but this guy, he's he's just with it. I am so impressed by Justin Herbert. But to your question, um <laughs> sorry, I I I oh, that's
2: all that's right. I I could um, see the excitement in your eyes when you were showing me that video clip today. So I knew that this was gonna be we'd have to get a fan <laughs> out and you know just give you a second. But no, it's funny because Bill's fans watching this like dodged a bullet. I mean, there was some consideration. For Miami, I remember during the draft, lead up to the draft, they yeah. were considering Herbert. And I think, yeah. you know, I know you don't want to overreact. I mean, especially in this city with the quarterback that's there now, you never want to overreact to a kid's first year. But right now, I mean, Herbert's looking like the more dynamic player.
0: Oh, yeah. Herbert's going to win rookie of the year. I I, I, don't, I don't doubt that one, especially now that Joe Burrow is hurt. I think Herbert's going to win the rookie of the year. Uh, and he has been so talented. And, and just I mean, but but now the question is, how will he do against a Bills defense that notoriously does well against rookie quarterbacks, young players? Because Sean McDermott likes to take away what they do best. Um, I do think Herbert is better suited than than others. I think what they'll probably end up doing is some late arriving pressure uh, and to try and confuse him a little bit. Uh, he does get the ball out super quickly, so you can't do that too often. But that said, they they have to find ways. And I think one of the keys here will be to knock him off his spot. And the play of the defensive tackles are so critical to stopping this passing attack because um, their center, Dan Feeney, is not good. Um, (laughs) He was a, a major liability for them against the Jets. And the left guard, Forrest Lamp, um, he was, was not doing all that well. Uh, the left tackle, Sam Tevi he was, uh, getting pushed around by power. Um, even the right tackle, Bilago, who they signed to a big deal in the offseason, he was not dealing with speed to the edge very well. So, but I, I think the, the best way to try and knock Herbert down a little bit and force him into some throws and check downs, maybe take some sacks is that pressure right from the interior because he gets the ball out quick. So at Oliver, Quentin Jefferson, uh, this is a big game for them. And I think this is one where, you know, fans have been waiting to see flash plays from Oliver. I mean, he, he's been making the plays on film, um, even though they haven't been flashy on broadcast. I think this is a game where Oliver could really stand out.
3: So another question for you, and, and let's kind of look ahead, assume the Bills get into the playoffs. What would be the one nightmare matchup, in your opinion, that you would not want the Bills to face? And obviously, some you know, if the Bills are a top three seed, they're not going to see Pittsburgh in the first game or anything like that. But it, one of those teams that are kind of hanging around or in the wild spot—is there one right now that you say, "Oh man, I, I would not. I, I don't think the Bills match up well against this specific team."
0: I might say Cleveland, um, mm. just because. They have, they are so invested in running the ball, and they have two really good runners. I mean, Nick Chubb is probably one of the best naturally talented runners in the league. Um, they have obviously uh, Kareem Hunt, who has had prolific seasons in the past and is more of a pass catching back. But their offensive line too, uh, they are just playing at such a powerful and high level uh it's also a potential hashtag revenge game for Wyatt Teller, um, which... Mm-hmm. Would, <laughs> the one that which, got away. <laughs> seriously, that's... I mean, I guess Brandon Bean could take credit for, for a hit on that pick, but he, he gave up on it way too quick. Um, but also defensively, too. I mean, this is a, a man coverage team. They've got good young corners. Uh, I think Denzel Ward could uh, could match up at least a little bit with, with Stefan Diggs. And then they've got the pass rush with uh, with Miles Garrett. I mean, Cleveland's sneakily a very good team, and uh, they're going to be a tough out for somebody. So, if if there's one, I I think the Bills could beat Vegas again. Uh, I think the Bills could beat Baltimore. Um, You know, uh, Tennessee. I think they could they could go toe to toe with Uh, Cleveland. They could certainly beat as well. But I think from a matchup perspective, you know, that's not one that I would. I would uh, say is, is a good fit for the Bills.
2: Um, one more thing, but I want to get this one before we get to that because it was a fan question, and I thought it was fun. Looking I love my Jets I mean, I mean, No, it, oh, maybe we'll have time for Jets takes. We'll <laughs> see. I mean, listen, I feel like the Jets should be put in that drawer that you know you're not going to see until next year and you just put the jets in that drawer and we talk about the jets maybe in a year or so we'll see they're tire fire but i want your i want your take so we'll see I, okay. the comment was i love the chemistry between you and matthew fairburn uh co-host of the buffalo beat obviously at the athletic what would mm-hmm. you say is one bills related issue that you and fairburn don't agree on
0: i was going to say blaine gabbert but uh <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think over but, uh, the years you've come to love blaine a little bit it, I could sense it in your voice
0: it's it's a love hate sort of thing um I have brought brought up Gabbert without uh without uh, matt saying it first um I don't know maybe we we' you we're, we're two pretty logical guys so that we agree on a lot of a lot of stuff um yeah Maybe it was a little bit of the Trent Murphy stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. I was more. I've always been in the camp of of cut him. And you know, maybe this is just a recent example. I think maybe Matt was maybe more of a. You know, he's still he's still a good player, and and if if he's good enough, he should be on the roster. Um, So maybe that. uh, But nothing really like huge or anything like that. That's a boring answer. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I, can't, I can't really think of one off the top of my head
2: i would imagine that the the more interesting disagreements come at um dinner choices on the road but you know we, we, we only got a few minutes here to get in these dinner things. choices
0: uh, fantasy football fantasy basketball, yeah there you go Fan- yeah. speaking
2: of fantasy football you're having yourself another quite a quite a year there um Thank you, you want to let everybody know your your team name because i think it's pretty good pretty solid uh it's so hot right
0: now <laughs> An allusion to Zoolander. I've got uh, Hansel Great. as the uh, as the avatar. It's, uh, it's awesome. Yeah. All
2: right, yeah. drop your drop your hottest Jets take right now before we get out of here.
0: Uh, do I really want to do this? Okay, yeah. Eh, what the hell? I think the Jets can beat Miami this week.
2: Ooh, okay, oh. spicy. Uh, I
0: actually really like the way that the Jets played against the Chargers. Uh, I think defensively they were pretty with it. You know. Their zone coverage is a bit of a mess, but their pass rush was actually really good against the Chargers. Um, their linebackers and safeties were playing with some with some fire. Uh, I do think that going up against Tua will help them. Um, if they, I don't know the status on Darnold, but but uh, the Jets are at home. They they looked like they were really really. Um, hurt at the end of that chargers game because they thought they were close they thought they had a chance to win and just like some of their body language and stuff like that looked like they were blocking fairly better um i I don't know there there's something about this 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 jets team that makes me think that the Bills should be happy that they already played them uh they they they're looking a little bit better than they were at the beginning of the season and i don't think that's a testament to, to adam Gase or anything but I think the the players just don't want to go 0 16, and they're trying to get this thing done. And you know, I, Miami has definitely taken strides this year, but you know, starting a rookie quarterback, especially one that was confused uh, last week and ended up getting benched, and all of these different things, he's going to be on the road again. They're going to be looking for a big answer back from him. But I don't know. Are there, I think I think the Jets are probably going to take a lot of what Denver did and try and associate it to this game. Uh, the game is a seven-point spread. Um, the, the Jets are home dogs. I don't know. I, I, I would consider taking the contrarian one there and, and going Jets. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy.
2: I like it. And Joe Flacco is is all the rage is again. Is playing? And he's a, I I, he might. He might play. And also, a, a factor in this might be Frank Gore, too. I, I, I listened to him talk <laughs> pretty passionately about not going 0-16. <laughs> and I think that, like... No, no, no! Not him. In terms of his what right. he's giving as a player, I'm saying what that locker room probably wants to do for Frank Gore. I mean, if you remember back to last season, you know, even John Feliciano saying like the the reverence that he that he kind of alluded to when talking about just being in the huddle with Frank Gore. You know, guys love him, and guys love playing for him, so playing with him. So I think that that mm-hmm. there could be something there. Um, all right, we're Darnold get out of is here.
0: looking likely to play. By the way, ooh!
2: All right, well, I don't know. If, uh, if they if they
0: if they end up beating them, then you heard it here first. But if they end up losing their, the eleventh game in a row, you did not hear me say
2: that. Got <laughs> you, perfect. All right, let everybody know what you got coming, what you guys got cooking over at the Athletic, yeah. and um, where they can find you.
0: Yeah, uh, if you go over to theathletic slash the Buffalo Beat, you can get in for a uh, limited time offer. I, I believe it's right now. Uh, two dollars a month at the moment. Um, wow. So just go to the athletic.com slash the beat. Um, you can hear a podcast there. You can read all the stuff that, uh, that I write. I just did a, a very in-depth um, a full-on roster evaluation with grades, trends, charts, um, what could happen what's what has happened and and it, it took a long time so you <laughs> can you can find there find that there and uh of course the the game previews and and ever everything along those lines and see if uh and and of course the all 22 um coaches film grading that i do every single week so yeah you can find that all there at the slash the buffalo beat
2: exactly and if you are unfamiliar with the athletic you don't just get the buffalo stuff you get Everything yep. across the country in every sport. I mean, it's really a one-stop shop, and uh, I, I don't know what I'd do with my, my subscription. And so, my man, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate this.
0: Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you having me on again, and uh, and hopefully, I will. Uh, hopefully, I'll, I'll make make some people uh, feel good about potentially betting the Jets. <laughs> who the, who the heck, no, uh, they're, they're probably gonna get blown out but but it'll be fun they, they at least look good on film right they look
2: good there on you film. go enjoy yeah. your thanksgiving have Do some well. have some good food and uh we'll see you friday
0: all right sounds good buddy
2: all right take care all right so that was joe biscalia of the athletic thank you so much to him for joining us this is the shop buffalo bills football podcast we're not done yet we got a special Last-minute guest here. He's gonna come on for a few minutes and talk a little bit about a few things. Um, Lashawn, my man, Warlock Six, you know him, Bills Mafia on Twitter. How are you, my friend? Oh, we can't well, hear you, buddy. Let's see. We always got something.
3: Always. There's there's always some kind of techno uh, technology issue here.
2: See if you can't uh, monkey around with your uh, your audio settings. See if there's a, a different setting that you have to hit because um, we can't hear you, uh, Ryan. In the meantime, let's talk a little bit. We got something. Thought I heard something. Oh no, we still can't hear you. Ah, mm-hmm. um, oh, it's a bummer when this happens. I feel like this always happens. Some some type of little audio snafu at some point in the podcast
3: always without fall every every week there's something
2: i blame it on you actually because most (laughs) of the time i feel like you're just some type of bad mojo coming off of those bobbleheads behind you i don't know what it is specifically but let me um before as we try to get LaShawn in here um he can hear us loud and clear we can't hear him uh, let me talk a little bit about why um, he's on here. First of all, we're going to talk a little Bills. Uh, if you don't follow him on Twitter, uh, as far as you know, higher profile Bills fans go, his his Bills uh, commentary is is top notch. So we'll, we'll obviously talk some Bills, but he did something really cool uh, last weekend, and um, it just jumped off at me immediately because it was generous. It was you know, around the time of the holidays and just the, you know, what's going on in the world today with COVID and the struggles that a lot of people are going through. He just said, you know, want to brighten up some people's day. And uh, he, he said, I'm going to um, do a contest and I have two $500 gift cards. I'm going to put it out here. Everybody who likes this tweet, uh, you're immediately entered in a couple of days. I'm going to pick a winner and, and two people are going to get uh, this. Well, it exploded. You know, first for the two gift cards, but then other people starting getting involved. And it, it got all the way up to over four thousand dollars in um, gift cards that LaShawn ended up um raffling off to a bunch of Bills fans across the country. He has sent them all out. People have been opening them and sharing in the in the joy, and it was just absolutely moving from my perspective, uh, to see someone just brighten up people's weekends and weeks and days and so uh, i don't know if the audio is back yet man but kudos it it was super cool
3: i no, we can't hear you but yeah he he, and he does this he does this all the time he he, uh you know with with the generous gift cards with bills tickets uh he's done this in the past you know this is a guy that's a bills fan through and through but but absolutely has a a huge heart for for the fan base and just for people in general always doing good uh, so, I, yeah, I love seeing that, too, especially, like you said, holiday season, uh, a time that can be very tough for some people, especially with everything going on in 2020. So it was phenomenal. It, it was great to see how many people got involved, how many people shared that. But, yeah, again, tip of the cap to you. Uh, just just awesome.
2: Uh, I see some comments in here. And, um, yeah, a, a couple, <laughs> couple comments. Uh, LaShawn, try going out and coming back in again and see if that helps you out. If you can hear me, um, we'll talk okay. a little bit more, Bill. Okay. Oh, now, we can, hear you. now hey. we can hear
1: you. You can hear me now. You yeah. did something. Uh, there we go. I don't know what I did, but I'm here. <laughs> Perfect. What's up, my man. How are you? I'm great. I'm blessed. Happy to be on. Thank you very much for having me. Got your 26 shirts on there. I see. Yeah, 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 of course, of course. Mr. process. I love my coach. <laughs> <laughs>
2: we had uh, – so t- tell me, I mean, like Ryan mentioned, I mean, this is not the first time you, that you did this. Uh, you've, you've done tickets before and, you know, different, different things with Bills fans. I mean, you've really embraced that idea of making this a community. And w- what prompted that and what makes you continue to want to do these things?
1: Uh, as you said, I've been doing this for a while now, uh, whether it's – season tickets or whether it's, you know, playoff tickets or whatever the case may be. You know, I've always been very generous. I'm blessed. So I like to, you know, help other people out, give to others. And the other day I was at a Walmart Christmas shopping with my family and it just, something came on my heart and I said, why don't I just, you know, get a couple gift cards because You know, times are hard right now with COVID and people being unemployed and, you know, like everybody's world being flipped upside down due to no fault of their own. So I said, you know, this should just be something cool that I can do, try to help people out. So I got the gift cards and put it on Twitter. But, you know, so I just wanted to do something to help people out. But once uh, one Bills fan actually donated, it just you know, created like a groundswell, you know, and giving to people and being generous is, you know, it's, it's contagious. So once that first Bills fan chipped in, then another, you know, Bills fan DM me, then another Bills fan, then eventually you DM me and we wind up giving away 23 gift cards for $4,350. So Mm -hmm. I thought that was pretty cool.
2: Very, very cool, man. Like it was, you know, it's, just positivity, man. Putting positivity in the world. I think that that's yeah, you know, that's one of the things that I try. You know, uh, of course, we get into our our little spats on Twitter from time to time. I try to stay as much away from it as possible. But there's so much negative negativity in the world. The football community, I feel like, and sports community. You know it's a game it's fun I mean these guys talk about it all the time like I, I want it to be as positive as possible and uh so yeah man I, I I thank you for doing that because it was uh inspirational now let's get on to the bills though because I know you're a huge bills fan you have I can't remember when it was I don't know if it was last year or the year before but I was listening to the sell uh Sal sports uh I think it was one of his extra point shows and you had a fire call uh I was like Dude, this dude knows his stuff, so, so lay it on me here. I mean, you, you got a 7-3 and three football team. You're going to host the, the Chargers this week, uh, driver's seat in the AFC East. Where's your head at?
1: I mean, what a time to be a Bills fan. It's fantastic, man. We, we Everything's in front of us. We got our first opportunity in 25 years to win a division. You know, Tom Brady's gone. I knew once he left, I said to myself, now that Brady's out of the division, you know we got all this talent it's go time so i mean right now i think this game coming up i don't i don't sleep on the chargers they they have some good talent over there and herbert's balling out keenan allen's a monster you know they got bosa they got ingram coming off you know both edges so i think it's i think it's going to be a really good game but this game is kind of personal to me you know like the chargers they beat us four in a row they've beating us six out of the last seven games last time they beat us was uh josh allen's first uh you know first actual start in buffalo i was at that game the charges whipped up on us the previous game was the nathan peterman game that game was so you know so embarrassed and so this game is kind of personal to me i really want to you know get the charges back and whip up on them so i'm hoping you know we can we can take it to them on sunday so any questions, anything
2: that you want to talk about with this Bills team? And if anybody in the comments has it as well, we'll keep this open for a few more minutes to chop it up, talk some stuff. Ryan, let's start with you. You know, we just, you know, spend 50 minutes with, with Joe Biscaglia, uh from the athletic. Thanks to him for coming on. Anything that stood out to you and anything, any pressing, cause I don't know if we're going to do a preview show cause it's going to be the holiday weekend. We talked some chargers uh, today. I mean, we could do a little bit of that now, but you know, you look at this chargers team and and, and the challenges they present on both sides of the ball. What, what stands out to you? If,
3: if, yeah, I don't know what just happened there. If Eckler is, is activated and comes back for this game, I think he could, he could give the bills some fits. I know he's practicing again, obviously that doesn't mean he's going to play on Sunday uh, just yet, but he's such a talented back. We know Buffalo's issues against uh, the run at times this year. And having to worry about those great wide receivers that LaShawn mentioned and Justin Herbert, it would just be another layer onto this team where if you have Callum Balazs or, uh, you know, one of those other secondary backs that's nowhere near the same level as a, as an Austin Eckler, then I think it becomes a little bit easier for that defense to its ears back and play high-level uh, high football.
2: LaShawn, you got any questions, anything you want us to talk about here?
1: I'll, I'll give you the floor. I, I mean, all in all, I'm just excited about this season. It feels so good to finally have a franchise quarterback. You know, Josh Allen is balling. And in my opinion, he's top five in the MVP race. I really hope he finishes the season strong, coming from, you know, where he was a couple years ago. I, you know, big shout out to Brian Dayball helping develop Josh Allen. You know, shout out to McDermott and Bean for actually drafting him. I remember draft night, we took Allen and I was kind of depressed, you know, listening to all the so-called experts, you know, saying that, you know, he was going to be terrible and all the people on pro football talks and he was a comedy of a quarterback. So, you know, that kind of, you know, got to me in the beginning, but, you know, here we are now, he's, he's balling out of control. Picking up Stefan Diggs was fantastic. That was like, for me, that was the trade of the season right there. I remember DeAndre Hopkins, you know, got traded. I was like, they – you know, the Cardinals picked him up for a bag of footballs, a second round pick. Are you kidding me? I was hoping we got Hopkins. And then when Diggs sent that sent that tweet out saying, you know, he wanted to move on, he wanted to change the scenery, I'm acting like I had a connection, you know, a, a line to Brandon being like, please pick up Stephon Diggs. And we picked him up. He's second in the NFL in receiving yards. I think he's having an all-pro season. And, you know, we got – We got six games left. I'm really hoping that we can find a way to, you know, go five and one in these last six games into the playoffs with a 12 and four record. You know, to me, that symbolized, you know, having like a really good team. That's a big boy record right there being 12 and four coming off this, you know, difficult schedule that we've had. The Bills, you know, have beat more, you know. Uh, more teams with win winning records than anybody in the national football league. So I think the Bills are really battle tested and I can't you know wait to see how the rest of the season unfolds.
2: Couple of questions in here, uh John Brown, um trade candidate this offseason. Um I I think that there there's a there's a money discussion to be had with John Brown. And I think that if if it's something where the Bills feel like they they need to resign Matt Milano, and they can't find that money elsewhere. They want to resign Daryl Williams or, or some of the other John Feliciano, who you know when he's been in the lineup, he started sixteen games last year. He's been really good. They, by the way, cheap shout out there. Big story coming out on him tomorrow. Syracuse.com, NewYorkUpstate.com. Make sure you check this one out. You're gonna like it. Um, there's a lot of money that needs to be spent. So I think from that perspective, yeah, I think that that 8 million could come into play and that's something, a discussion that can be had. But if you're talking about just, you know, moving on for John, from John Brown for the sake of moving on, I don't see that as a viable option or something that I think that they'd even want to do. One of the things that Stefan Diggs has, has first of all said, you know, he's called John Brown one of the most underrated, underappreciated wide receivers in the NFL. There's a real bond that's been created between those two guys off the jump. That's number one, but number two is you heard Stephon Diggs talk today about how much he loves being here in Buffalo and the guys that are around him in the room. John Brown, I think, is a big piece of that. He's been, you know, a guy that I think Stephon Diggs, even as a veteran that comes in here, has looked up to a bit and and has has connected with. And I think that's a big reason why, you know, you going into this thing, I think there was questions about how quickly this offense was going to gel because you were adding, no doubt, a true number one wide receiver, but they never played a game together before. So how long was it going to take to build that chemistry? And it's been phenomenal since the very beginning. And I think a big part of that is, you know, John Brown's importance to this offense. And we've seen when he hasn't been there or hasn't been effective because of injury, you know, it hasn't been as explosive. So I I think, I don't think the bills are looking to trade John Brown. I think he's going to be somebody that um, unless they have to move on for financial reasons will be in the mix this year and next year. Another question I saw here is you were talking about Josh um LaShawn, and uh, I think that he has made an unbelievable progression from year one to year two. And then as crazy as it sounds, a bigger one from year two to year three. I didn't think that that was possible. And I, I've always been very high on him. And so I think that the question is, is there still room to grow? And so I'll let both of you take that. Like how much more growth potential is there with Josh Allen?
3: I still think there is potential growth. I don't think we've seen the best version of Josh Allen yet. Uh and I don't know exactly what that looks for like because I still think there's always going to be that little level of hero ball. He's never gonna phase that part of his game out. There's still gonna be some turnovers where you kind of scratch your head and you say, Oh man, what was he thinking there? Throwing into the double triple coverage. But he's eased off of that from year one to year two to year three. So maybe he just maybe it just becomes more and more sporadic. Uh, we saw him hitting some of those deep balls early this year. And then when, uh, defense is adjusted, there were some early struggles, but then we've seen him grow in terms of playing against zone. I still think he can get better in in that area. He's diagnosing better, but there's still room to grow. So no, I, I don't think we we've seen, uh, anywhere close to the best version of Josh Allen yet. And I think that should be pretty scary, uh, for any fan base that is not the bills mafia.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. Uh I think Josh Allen has a lot more room to grow. You know, the talent is undeniable. He's so big, he's so strong, he's so fast. And I think this season, uh, you know, games has slowed down for him. It's, you know, a lot easier having Stefan Diggs out there, true number one wide receiver. And I think, you know, the sky is the limit for Josh Allen. I don't I don't think we've I don't think we've seen his ceiling at all. I think He'll continue to develop and I can't I really can't wait to see him even next year, you know, because now he's solidified as a good quarterback. Now, like uh, my friends and my family, they can't, you know, make jokes about Josh Allen or he's just the running quarterback. Now I go on my group chat and I'm talking about Josh Allen all the time and, you know, nobody's attacking him. That's how I know he's good, because if he wasn't (laughs) good, my friends would be attacking him. But now. I put all my Josh Allen stories in my group chat. Nobody has anything to say. They just let me go off because they they recognize he's a good quarterback. So I can't wait to see him get better and better and see what he has for us next year.
2: Ryan, you, you, you brought a question in here. We'll do yeah. this last one before we get out of here.
3: Yeah, so Dallas O'Brien asked, if you could pick one of the two Bills semifinalists for the Hall of Fame, who would you choose, Steve Tasker or Cornelius
2: Bennett? Mm. What do you think, LaShawn?
1: Wow, that's a good one there. I mean, they're both great players. But to choose between the two, I probably, I probably go with Tasker. I think, you know, he's arguably the greatest special teams player of all time, and I, I think it's a shame that he isn't in the Hall of Fame yet. And But between the two, I mean, Bennett is definitely, you know, deserving, and I think he should – You know, he should have his, you know, shot at getting in as well. But I think I would, I would choose Tasker out of the two. I like
2: that too, because, you know, the thing that stands out to me about Tasker and any player that when you put some runway between when they retired and, and and when you're talking about these kinds of things, you know, we're talking about decades now since Steve Tasker played the game and he really revolutionized that position that he played. I mean, you don't hear a lot of people talk about special teamers over the years, and he's one guy that no matter when you know you bring it up with any type of football fan, they know who Steve Tasker is. And you saw uh, even you know some of the outpouring when uh, he uh, when when it was announced that he was a semifinalist. I think it was Kyle Brant from Good Morning uh, Football that was like, "Get Steve Tasker in the Hall of Fame." So to your point, yeah, I think Tasker. Earned it with his contributions and how important he was on those special teams units and all those Super Bowl teams. And uh, yeah, what about you, Ryan? Yeah, I think
3: it's Tasker. I think Tasker should already be in. To be quite honest, Uh, changed the way that uh, people played. And you know, when they played the Bills, they knew where Tasker was at all times on special teams. Which again, you don't usually say that with a special teams player. Uh, A guy that went in and and won a Pro Bowl MVP back when they were actually playing for something in those games, not when it was like a, a. a glorified scrimmage, two-hand touch game. They were actually playing hard back then, and he was MVP. Um, Always one of my favorite players to watch. And, you know, even though it doesn't have anything to do with his Hall of Fame career, what a cool way to go out. He gets ejected from his final game as a member of the Bills. I still remember that vividly. I remember watching that game. Uh, He accidentally brushed against an official and that he got ejected in his farewell game. I want to say against the Packers. Um, So just... Cool career, great player, uh, a guy that I think really should have already been in the Hall of Fame at this point.
2: Yeah, hopefully we can get him on the uh, the podcast here before the end of the season or at least at some point uh, in the next few months because I think he would be a fun uh, guest to have, uh, a lot of good stories to tell. Um, all right, we're going to get out of here. Uh, this has been the Shout Buffalo Bills Football Podcast. Find us on all of the audio platforms if you can, uh, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, subscribe to Shout. Uh, give us a rating and review, too, if you're uh, feeling a- extra generous this time of year. Uh, LaShawn, Warlock6, you can find him on Twitter. Unbelievable follow. Make sure you're doing it. Happy Thanksgiving, my friend. Ha- thanks so much for coming on.
1: Thanks for having me on. Please invite me on again another time, guys, and y'all have a happy Thanksgiving.
2: You Sounds too. good, buddy. Take care. All right, so for Ryan Talbot, I am Matt Perino. Final thoughts mr talbot final
3: thoughts just i I hope everyone has a safe and healthy thanksgiving
2: and enjoy
3: that time with your family Uh, obviously it's going to look a lot different this year than in years past for many of us in terms of smaller settings uh but you know be thankful find something to be thankful for this time of year because there's always something
2: and some some good news i don't want to jinx it because we've tried a few times i think we're gonna have mr tyler dunn on the show next wednesday night uh, we we set it up today. Uh, he just launched his new project, uh, uh, a newsletter uh, over on Substack. He's going to have all of his long form features now at that site, uh, kind of bringing it straight to you. Uh, the The first two that dropped today were hmm. unbelievable. I mean, you could tell that he's made good use of the time since he left Bleacher Report. I mean, the two features that he wrote today were absolutely unbelievable. I'm so looking forward to diving into those two and so much more with him. Uh, next week, uh, we're, we're finalizing it now, but I think we're close to making sure that he can come on and that'll be great. Also next week, uh, Dan Lab. Uh, he is the Cleveland Browns reporter for cleveland.com. He is going to hop on the show to talk about a couple things. First of all, you know, Joe B mentioned it, a tough potential playoff matchup. We'll talk about that Cleveland Browns team, Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, a couple of that stuff. Wyatt Teller. I want to ask him a little bit about him. That was uh, my main uh, reason for having him on. He's going to jump on the show next week. Um, and then, you know, the new set here, I'm building it. There's a lot of good stuff here. If you notice here, um, this is, uh, this is a gift I got from my last, uh, well, I was at my last job, a buddy of mine that was leaving the UFC. He, he knows my favorite movie was the matrix. It's a little nice. neo, So it's really awesome. I'm going to be adding little cool things to the set. Uh, if you have any ideas, let me know. I, I think we got some 26 shirts coming stuff coming. Uh, I want to make sure that we're repping them as well. Uh, cause our guy, Del Reed, who came on the show last week was awesome. For Ryan Talbot, I am Matt Perino. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. This was an awesome show with a lot of great stuff from Joe and LaShawn. And we will see you on Sunday after the game. Take care, everyone.
0: Ready for football? With every game a home game, Tops is ready for you with its TV a day giveaway. For six weeks, every day you shop is a new chance to win a massive 70-inch 4K TV. Shop Tops for the best deals in town, in-store, or online to win.